0: Bandwidth for the Weird Things Podcast provided by Tree, For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to WiredTree.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. My usual co-host, Mr. Justin Robert Young hello everybody welcome yet again to a carnival
0: of curiosity mr brian
1: brushwood yo
0: yo yo
2: that's all i say that's i only have the one syllable don't take this syllable away from me and me
1: andrew Maine, your humble host <laughs> gentlemen up, guys brace yourselves i am i'm ready Braced, man Right, I see your hands floating around. You look a little relaxed. I don't think All right,
2: hold break. on. No, no, no. I'm good. I was, I was actually just fastening my bracers uh, to deflect oh, gotcha, like gotcha. enemy attacks. You ready?
1: Yes. Yeah. Chupacabra found. What? We finally fact, did. Chupacabra found.
0: What's his wait name? Uh,
1: I don't know if he. Chupi. Chupi chupi. So
0: uh, wait. Hold on. I, I, just so we can we can get this uh get this settled here so chupacabra of course the goat sucker famous for roaming the hills of puerto rico and sucking on some goats i mean don't don't forget
2: like uh, i first heard about the chupacabra because my wife was from the Rio Grande valley down at the very tip of texas practically mexico she's like hey man you hear about the chupacabra i was like no what You're like, it's like, they sucks the blood out of goats. So you might want to cut that goatee. I suspect she just really didn't like my goatee at the time.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, But I mean, like, is it, wait, is it not centralized to Puerto Rico? I always knew it as a Puerto Rican thing, but I don't know whether that, that was just because we were from, I was in South Florida. I always knew it. South
1: America, Mexico, Southwest, American Southwest. Yeah. See, I always
2: knew it as a Mexican thing, but, uh, but again, we all see what we see.
1: Sure. All right. But you're saying the, the mystery,
0: the myth. The legend, uh, it's now moot because we can we can uh, verify.
1: So a little bit of personal backstory. I myself have had encounters with a chupacabra and I w- regaled the audiences here with that. Once I was walking through his park in Southern Florida and I felt something amiss in the air. There was some sort of sense that I was being spied upon by some sort of super predator, and I looked across the grass and towards the tree line, and I locked eyes with a creature low to the ground, hairless, sharp teeth, pointy little eyes staring right at me, big haunches, little claw-like front paws, looked at me, and I could tell he was assessing me. He was trying to think if I was worth taking down or if he should flee, and I stood my ground. Yeah, stared right back. At how, him. how big was this thing again? It was a ways away. It was hard to guess scale.
0: Justin. O- okay, I mean, but like, if you were to just, you know, like uh, bigger than uh, 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 some kind of uh, bread box. Yes.
2: W- w- would it would it be man sized? Was it almost man sized?
1: Well, it, it certainly at some stage of the development into a man, yes. Wait a minute, so this
2: (laughs) wait, are you telling me that what you thought was a chupacabra turned out to be like a toddler in a in a forest? No, no, it's not a toddler. Oh good. (laughs) Wait. Uh,
1: So I saw this smaller than a toddler. I'm like, and I've heard all the accounts of the chupacabra. I'm like, holy cow, I'm seeing what other people have seen before and said, I've just seen this strange creature, this chupacabra. I'm like, this is a pretty cool experience and you know, this is by all accounts a chupacabra. I was pretty cool. I pulled out my camera. I took a photo, but it was so far away. I didn't have really a good zoom on it. But anyhow, I get closer. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to walk towards it. I'm going to befriend the chupacabra. Instead now- of shouting names at him and cursing at him in Spanish, I'm going to reach out a hand to this chupacabra.
2: Now, now when you say you're going to embrace the chupacabra, do you mean literally embracing this, this nah, feral it was like beast?
1: Kind of scaly and gross looking. So I don't really want to like reach out and hug him. So I got a little closer to the chococabra, and he retreated into the trees. And I stood there at the edge of the forest looking in, and I could see this thing staring back at me, peering down at me. And there was a kind of a bond there, maybe a psychic connection, if you will.
2: All right. And I felt that I should see him alone. So so, so, now that some time has passed and you find yourself in the cold, stark light of – you know, sobriety days later, now that you're under, not underneath the spell of the experience as it happened, what what do you actually think you were seeing?
1: Well, let me fast forward to this week when news came out that some people in Texas said they'd caught a chupacabra. Okay. And this was exactly what I had seen. So now, you would
0: say, I mean, so this is verifiable. You saw a chupacabra. It, yes. and it matches the description of what these people have, have caught. I mean, this is a – can we call – call the newspaper. Who do we call? Who do we call now if we want to make make a big deal about this? delve into
1: what science has to say here, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you a question. Let's suppose we're all camping, okay? And in the middle of night, Brian, Justin undergoes some sort of weird physical transformation. He starts to growl. He becomes even more hairy, Right. (laughs) He gets claw like haunches. He turns into what we would call a uh, well, a
2: werewolf is what we'd say. But I love. I want to. I want to dive right into the conversation you and I have, where it's like I'm clearly panicked about what's happening to Justin as I try to explain it to you. I'm like, Justin's really hairy, and you're like, and. We're like, hairier than usual. And you're like, and? We're like, well, he's got like claws and unkempt, you know, finger claws. And you're like, and? We're like, I'm mean, very easily usual.
0: irritatable. Yes. So, prone <laughs> to outbursts. He's imagine, making no sense when he opens his mouth.
1: <laughs> so, this transformation happens, Brian. Okay. And I throw you a revolver. And you take the revolver and you plug five bullets into his chest. Okay. okay. Yeah. As one is wont to do. Yeah. Justin falls to the ground and is still sort of maybe kind of half in, half out of that state. Clearly not the Justin we know and love, but also kind of werewolf-esque. When the paramedics show up and the news reports get released, what are they going to say?
2: Well, that that I shot Justin Robert Young and that he has rabies
1: or something. There might be like, oh, yeah, crazy Brian Brushwood mentioned werewolf, whatever, but this is clearly a human. But what is a, where is a werewolf but a human that takes on wolf-like properties?
2: Well, yeah, or, or almost specifically, like, I, have we ever talked about this? Is there any likelihood that the werewolf legend is really just a way of describing people who contracted rabies? Because, they, I mean, they sound they, – they track one for one. Somebody gets bitten by a beast in the wild, and now – descends into frothy madness and and does irrational things and attacks people in the
1: dead of the night i mean that's rabies we're describing right that yeah, could maybe maybe could be and there are other kinds of you know fevers things like that affect the brain that can cause weird behavior so it's entirely possible so we've accepted here in in our cold light of reason that Modern world would not be able to understand the experience you went through. They would say you were crazy, maybe a murderer, or whatever. And you could say werewolf all you want. But they'd say, that's Justin Robert Young. You killed a human being. Yeah. So let's bring that to the chupacabra. Now, I know what I saw and what these people saw and what they have photos of is something very similar. And science may have a term for it. You know, they may call it mange. They may call it a raccoon that has mange. But who are we to say that that isn't some sort of rationalization of... You know, cubacabraism may be a thing that affects raccoons, like werewolfism, or like does, humans in our imagination.
2: Dude, did I ever tell you about the time that our dog caught mange across the fence from another dog that had mange? Did I ever tell
1: you about this? Maybe, but do tell.
2: Okay, so so we had a little tiny border terrier named Pepper, who was like the best dog we ever had until he ran out and got himself run over by a garbage truck because he sucks. Uh, but in that time that, that like, uh, uh, he started to have like patches in the back of his fur, uh, that were kind of like going bald and we're like, what's going on? They're like, well, this looks like mange, but how would he get it? And we're like, well, the neighbors next door have a very large dog that they leave chained up in the backyard at all times. And it appears to be totally bald now. And its eyes are swollen shut to where it can't even see. Do, Do you think that's mange? And they're like, yes, we think that's mange. And we think that's where your dog is getting the mange, and so they they gave us pills, and we're like, "Hey, your dog has mange. we take care of your dog and it was It was one of the most brutal uh neglectful experiences I'd ever seen from uh from from anyone ever and it happened to be next door this poor dog eventually they put it down because it was just utterly bald, mm. eyes swollen shut from the outside it was it was
1: awful poor thing,
2: yeah, so I believe like like when something like that happens.
1: I, b- I believe mange, like, without even doubting. Well, a Texas couple saw a critter eating corn in a tree in their backyard, and their <laughs> husband trapped the animal. And I don't know the husband always has to be the one that traps the animal. Come on, ladies. Described as having hairless back, <laughs> large claws, and countless teeth. And the uh, locals speculated that could have been a chupacabra. Eventually, they had the thing put down. But you see photos of the thing, and it, it's it's a raccoon with mange. And... I'm just saying, you know, people like, no, it's not a chupacabra. It's a raccoon with mange. Well, if I shoot a werewolf, what are you going to say? No, yeah. it's not a werewolf. It's a man. Well, duh. What do that's you a right. Is? A werewolf that's,
2: is. That's where the were—hey, in, in the word werewolf, were refers to the man side of things, right? It's like a, uh, it's like a wolf man. Because, like, like, for example, if I turned into a turkey, the modern nomen- nomenclature, everyone would say, like, oh, he's a were-turkey. Wait, no, I guess that would be right.
1: Well, is, yeah, where I think it's German for something. Or, um, is, uh, the,
2: the, the, there's something like we're all using it wrong, is what I remember.
1: Yeah. Where... Could be. Mm-hmm. Or we could use the term wolf, man. or like canthrope. Oh, here we go. Here we
2: go. Uh, where, me, well, actually, I said we're, were, W E R E. Second mm-hmm. person, singular past, plural past, and past subjunctive of be. be so maybe wolf. like be a wolf. We're, yeah. wolf? like were you were a wolf but now you aren't
0: you were wolf yeah f- your
1: mom's were wolves yeah so you can look that up chupacabra texas science says not a chupacabra but who are we to say who are we to tell these people that's not a chupacabra what does that mean you can't i mean mean you know chupacabra i'm just gonna I mean, advance it means theory it's not right a now.
0: chupacabra right <laughs> like, what's that I mean, that's what it means. It means, like, you got a mangy-ass dog.
1: Yeah, mangy raccoon. Something I, I'm going to advance the chup- chupacabraism is basically the raccoon and coyote or dog version of some sort of lycanthropy. Because they're already wolf-like, so what are they going right to turn into? Dog-
2: so, wait, are you saying that, like, maybe um, chupacabras are, like, uh, where dogs They're domesticated yes. versions?
1: Yes. that is my theory. I like that. I'm down yeah. with that theory. Gentlemen. Remember I told you to hold on to your seats before and to brace yourselves?
0: Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, my seats are, are so held.
2: I feel bad because I was neglectful, n- neglectful in my seat holding.
1: Well, now's your chance to make up for that, Brian. All right. Brace now I'm yourself. physically holding my spe- seat. What? Hold it in. Hold it in, man. Hold it in? It's been a while.
2: No. Yeah, Justin. Hold it in, all right? Tell me. All right. Are you, are you about to drop the G on us?
1: Oh you know it. Yeah
0: <laughs> That's
1: right. Just when you think it's safe. Just when you think they've gone away, we get this. School sex crazed goblin sparks outright. <laughs> <Get right>. What? <laughs> speech. Villagers. So what a Lupin momentous Secondary. Sunday! Not <laughs> only is it
0: Game of Thrones and <laughs> WrestleMania, we also get the, the huge, the, 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 the epicness of goblins returning to weird things.
1: Heck yeah. Villagers at Lupin Secondary School want the school headmaster out claiming he owns goblins that have been sexually abusing teachers for some time.
2: Wait, sexually? That, that's not how the story is usually written. It's not the teachers who get abused.
1: Apparently it does in Zimbabwe. Okay.
2: Now, real quick, when when the Zimbabweans (sighs) say the word goblins, do they are you sure they don't mean teenagers? Sometimes people get those
0: mixed up. I mean (laughs) Sometimes with these goblin stories, I feel like we're learning the lesson and we were first, mind you, of, of the Malaysian plane coverage where everybody was like, Oh, you know, alternate universes and UFOs and like, you know, big epic hijacking schemes, which was really like Also us being like, well, a bunch of people died in the ocean. And it's like with these goblin stories, it's like, oh, like headmaster owns goblins and sexually abused teachers. And it might just be a fancy veneer on top of like rape gangs marauding Zimbabwe.
2: So you think you think that's all like a euphemism where like, well, we can't just say he's raping people. Why don't we say he owns goblins that are molesting people?
0: Or he's like in line with those that that do it. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe more in the story. will explain, uh, Andrew, gonna what, what's happening. And
1: I'm going to I'm going to give you two theories afterwards. According to the Sunday news, Yuka Fakanizimini secondary school headmaster. Peter Moyo is accused of owning goblins that terrorize people at night. Female teachers claim that for a while, they've had reoccurring dreams about having sex with someone. And when they would awaken from the dream, they'd noticed signs that they'd actually had sex during the night. It gets darker. if As if rape isn't dark enough. But. <laughs> yeah. In addition, multiple male teachers claim they've woken up wearing female underwear and say the only reasonable explanation is that goblins are terrorizing them. Oh but. My God. God. All right. Get Wait for it. Wait for it. Villagers claim that weird things have been going on in the area. <laughs> in Dongamazuzu, under Area Chief Gumende, since 1990s, when Moyo was hired at the school, a cleansing ceremony was called Wafa Awafa was held at the school earlier this month, and many say that it has actually done some good for the village. Things have normalized now since the cleansing ceremony was held, but as a community, we have requested the Ministry of Education to transfer Moyo to another school, said village head Emmanuel Emanuel Meseco. We can't live in the same area of such a man. The strange happenings may reoccur and this time may be spread to the community. If this man is kept here, he should just go and start another life elsewhere. Villagers report that during the cleansing ceremony, officials found evidence that Moyo had been practicing witchcraft. An official complaint against Moyo has been filed, and now villagers are waiting patiently to see if Ministry of Education will kick the headmaster out. What we don't want is a situation where we'd have to chase him away on our own, said Villager Esther Natini. We conducted the cleansing ceremony. We notified the police and the district education office, so we feel that the same authorities are responsible for transferring Moyo. If they don't act on time, we'll make a follow-up and see to it that our request is heard. One person involved in the cleansing ceremony says that Moyo admitted to being responsible for the strange happenings and described why they believe he owns goblins. After we conducted the cleansing ceremony, we were led to Moyo's house where we recovered reeds, herbs, tree roots, and many strange items from his wardrobe. We questioned him, and he admitted that he was the one responsible for what was happening in school. Those things that we covered would turn into human-like creatures or goblins at night and would terrorize the teachers. We took those items and burnt them. For now, things are normal, but we feel Moyo should be transferred to immediate effect before things return. Apparently, many villagers have already left for, left for town out of fear for their lives so okay now th- the
2: the one thing that really stands out to me is the part where the guy admits yeah, goblins. Dude, these are my herbs, and I'm definitely conjuring goblins like uh, I mean first of all, it sounds to me like this whole I woke up in women's underwear, and therefore it must be goblins. It's a bit of a fig leaf, a big bit, a bit of a of a shared
0: all right, Brian, you know, listen, let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. You know, this happens. it's a well-known thing. You wake up women's underwear, <laughs> you know, it's a little tight, you wake up it's a horrifying. You're the victim <laughs> here, Brian, victim of goblins. Yeah. Why blame the victim Brian them. I mean, i guess I guess that's what
2: it is, is that everybody's like manufactured this story that like we're we're all going to say it's goblins, right? All right, go- yeah, goblins. we're We're wearing women's underwear because of goblins.
0: I was like somebody walks in on him and they're like, what the hell's going on? Bah, goblins!
2: Bah,
0: these goblins! But,
2: keep- but what I don't get is when they put on this ridiculous charade and then they get to the point where they're all like, well, let's inspect his house. And then they inspect the house and then it's like, these are for the goblins that are making us wear all this women's underwear, right? And the guy's like, yes? Yes. Yes, that's what it's for. Like, the only way he would say yes is if, the real reason he had the herbs was so much worse that he'd rather be known as the guy who has oh, rape no, goblins. No,
0: no, no, no. This was, this was, again, another example of the popo rolling in and just dropping some herbs on the floor and saying, <laughs> like, oops, looks like we found your herbs, bro. And he's like, those weren't mine. He's like, well, this can all go away if you just let us know that these are your herbs and you're conjuring goblins that are like putting panties on people.
2: Dude, that's actually a really good point, where it's just like, hey, man, look, maybe it was your herbs, maybe it wasn't. But I know if you sign this piece of paper, you're only going to have to leave town for owning rape goblins. And are like, wait, no, no drug, no jail time? No, none at all. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll sign your rape goblin doc.
1: Well, in researching the goblin stories in Africa, the best we can understand is that goblin is – Where they tend to transform what we describe spirits or ghosts into, you know, they describe use the term goblin. And I've looked historically trying to trace back the origins of these goblin stories. And that seems to be, you know, if you say demon, then you go, okay, got it. This is what, you know, instead of like, you know, little short green guys running around going, "Ah," you know, it's.
2: Well, and and plus culturally, everything changes. Like here in the West, all of these goblin stories could be alien abduction stories, right? Little Mm -hmm. change the green guys to the gray guys, or they used to Mm -hmm. be green guys back in the 70s.
1: So I'm going to put out an alternate theory here. And that is that there is, if if we take the cases that we've encountered so far of goblins and the sex goblins and the rapes and the stuff like that. And there always seems to be, you know, sexual abuse. And often it centers around somebody in the village, a person or a figure there that tends to admit to it in some capacity, which we've seen in other stories. I think we may be looking at some kind of date rape drug. Really? So you, so those are the
2: herbs you think that he's using the, wait, so this goes back to my theory where it's like, yes, admit to the owning goblins because it's better than the I'm raping teachers defense
1: perhaps i think that maybe it could be something that's made. i mean there are there certainly are uh, in and i don't know particularly about you know the kind of pharmacology in zimbabwe they have i know in latin america places there are certain kinds of uh drugs that are like can be can you know air you can blow it in somebody's face you've seen like that movies and stuff that's actually you know based in fact on real stuff that's in my book angel killer I touch upon that just a little bit. There are real things like that. There are real things that different ways that you can, you know, render somebody, incapacitate them, particularly it seems to be happening at night. So if this was something admitted to some, administered to somebody while they're sleeping or before they went to sleep or whatever, this may be just, you know, some rampant sexual abuse and used through the use of some sort of pharmacological agent that is being put into, as you described, Brian, and, you know, how people, the how they contextualize it. You know, if you have sleep paralysis in the middle of the night, you know, you feel like you're being raped and you're getting a distorted view of things and goblins.
0: Yeah.
2: I can totally see that.
0: Well also what if this is like the way that you can accuse of somebody, accuse somebody in power, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't just say like, Oh, this person who holds, this high, you know, the, the, a high position in the hierarchy of power in my village. Can't just say, this guy is raping people. So I can say, like, the, the, the soft way that society has found to take down people who abuse their power are like, no, they own goblins and they're raping me. Fine. Uh, I'll form my know. answer I mean, in the form cases of a where question. It wasn't
1: necessarily a person in power, that it was a neighbor or somebody, or, or you know, that. Uh, I don't know. I. I I think that, you know, you look at, you know, how people would hear describe it, you know, as possession or things like that. I think that it clearly is. They think there's some supernatural thing going on where the more likely case is, you know, the, the guy who is, you know, the guy who has all the, you know, the concoctions and the herbs and the things like that for witchcraft and spells its also going to be the one that's going to have the pretty good line. I mean, we, we think about drug use and often enough being kind of an American phenomenon, and it's not. It's actually you get higher degrees of it in other countries, particularly less developed countries, where drug abuse is even higher than you know what we're accustomed to or think is normal here. And the prevalence of drugs and the availability of that elsewhere, it's not necessarily the same sort of stuff, but it can be variants of that. And even in far flung middle of nowhere places, you would think, ah, oh, they don't have them. They absolutely do. So,
0: so, you know, so the, witch- uh, the goblin they, uh, normally our goblin stories are a little bit more jaunty and lighthearted. These yeah. are some heavy goblins, Doc. I t- most,
1: are- I would say that most of them, ours have had elements of rape involved.
0: Oh, no, they certainly are. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it's just, ah. Oh. What a weird manifestation of all that, though. Like, like that—that—that's where that's where it goes. That's where it settles on that this kind of mythology is used. I'll tell well, you that's, what. I mean,
1: that's my. I mean, that's my running theory now is I think maybe it could be that it, that would, other than it just being outright hysteria, which is entirely possible, it could be that there may be actually this is evidence that there is some form of sexual abuse taking place by somebody using, you know, some sort of rohypnol or whatever type drug. So
2: there was a. Talking about like uh, – like I wonder uh, where we're sitting, you know, the word goblins gets thrown out and we all kind of like, you know, giggle and think of D&D or whatever and what kind of culture believes in goblins or so on. But I, I, I mean as – it is easy to fall into the trap of believing that since we all go to, you know, Reddit every other day or whatever or because we're on the internet that that all of the world is pretty much on the same page um, – as, as far as like the big idea of what stuff believes is true or not. But, but the, the, there was something I ran across the other day saying that 11% of Afghan men, 11% of the population in, in Afghanistan is aware of the nine 11 attacks. Like they know that, that, that the U S is there and has a presence and is fighting for whatever, but like, and, and I, I don't know, that's so hard for me to believe, but I I don't know why somebody wouldn't manufacture that story. And it it just, puts into stark contrast the uh it's it's easy for us to project that our understanding of the world is everybody's understanding of Mm -hmm. the world and you hear something like that and you realize how very much not that the case it is
1: yeah and absolutely true and a theory of mine and and vice versa that that you know we are you know, the, you know, we're certainly exposed you know—exposed to much more news sources having access that other people do not. But we tend to select the ones that are relevant to us. And we may not be as cognizant of what are the important issues in other places. And then when we get intervened or involved in there, we may not understand the complexities of that because we have our own little postage stamp size understanding of that. Uh, and that's a you know, that's an inescapable thing. We only have so much attention. And so, you know, we can't argue the fact that you know, we should be more aware of this or this. Well, there's so only so many things we can be made aware of. And, but right. yeah, it is uh, not too surprising. So, and and uh, the the more shocking
0: stat there is that 12 percent believe it was goblins that took down the towers.
1: 911 was a goblin job. The inside goblin job. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is kind of a this, listening to an audio book. I drove to Las Vegas. Friday, then drove back yesterday morning. And along the way, I listened to the Everything Store by Brad Stone. This is about the
2: the Internet of Things? No, this
1: is about Amazon. Oh, got it. Yeah, the Everything Store. And it's particularly about Bezos and the creation of Amazon. And it gets into some sort of very interesting things about Jeff Bezos. One of the things I thought was kind of cool is he talked about Jeff Bezos' space company, Blue Origin, of which he's been super secretive about. Now, uh, when you say he,
2: yeah. you mean Jeff Bezos has been super secretive about.
1: Yes. Unlike, unlike our,
2: our, uh, our, our, our BFF uh, SpaceX, who makes sure to send out updates and drop appropriate teases about going to Mars and all that stuff. These guys given us nothing.
1: Yeah, uh, Bezos with uh, Blue Origin. So he'd started a space company several years ago, kept it very, very secret. And the story broke when Bradstone, who wrote The Everything Store, heard at some conference, somebody mentioned a company called Blue and that perhaps Bezos was involved in that. And he looked up in the Washington State Division of Corporations and found a company under that name that shared an address with Amazon, tracked down an address and... Followed it to a place in suburb of Washington, where there was a warehouse with something like you know a big, huge warehouse, something like five hundred thousand square feet, or just a massive facility. And all it said on the front was Blue Origin. Dug through the trash and actually found the manifesto for the company. And that's a funny place to leave a manifesto. (laughs) Yes. Nobody, no tours of it. Nobody really knows what goes on inside of there. But there have been accounts of people describing the inside of this facility. And when you walk into the lobby, there's supposed to be a giant Victorian looking space capsule with red velvet plush couches and steampunk-esque levers that looks like something out of the uh, Jules Verne. And that's... Bezos is putting millions and millions of dollars into this. And we've seen they've done a test. They've done a couple of tests. They had something that broke up at, at some ridiculously high altitude. I'm going to pull this up here to see because they're trying to build like a single uh, stage to orbit craft. And so they had a test rocket that went up in 2011 that went up to 45,000 feet and then basically blew apart. But they've also tested their launch pad escape vehicle in West Texas. So there's been this sort of back and forth between Elon Musk and Bezos because Elon Musk with SpaceX they wanted to use a launch pad facility in Cape Canaveral and Blue Origin said, "Well, we'd like to be able to use it too." And Musk made the comment, "said There will be unicorns dancing in the rocket exhaust vents before we see Blue Origin launch a rocket from there." Holy cow! Shots right. fired! Yeah. Pow! <laughs> And, and musk to musk's defense, I think his point was more like Bezos really needs to get serious about this if he wants to do this well, well, this is difficult now, understand like
2: we're all three very much on the outside, and we have no way to know whether or not they're doing the right thing or wrong thing. I do understand you know NASA had historically been you know space race notwithstanding rather yeah rather closed on on what they're working on and how and so on, and i i if I was going to create a company that was going to claim to put stuff up into space, there is zero way that I would make my plans known in a very public way. Which to me, that again, that's what makes SpaceX such an exciting and unusual story. Is that they're like, yeah, no, see that called shot, Babe Ruth. We're heading to the friggin' Mars with, with our with our uh, uh, three stage recoverable rocket. Uh, that's very much the exception and the default position. If you want to preserve the money that your investors are giving you, then you keep your stupid mouth shut, which is what, which is what Jeff Bezos is doing.
0: Well, and also, I mean, I think like SpaceX has had to kind of come out and be a lot more public because they have been a lot, they have been involved in a lot more kind of public, uh, projects that, you know, that have, that have netted them money, right? Like they, they kind of, they have the, it makes sense for them to talk about what they have done with their projects with NASA in terms of the, the dragon stuff, because a, uh, it, it, they've gone on. It, it has existed, and they have advanced in their technology to do things bigger, faster, stronger. P- personally, I love that billionaires are telling each other, "Step your game up" when it comes to uh, doing like this kind of stuff. Like, I think that's that to me is far more the sign of a market that will that is progressing and that is viable. That that people are are fighting to iterate as, as fast and effectively as possible. And it's not just this idea of, you know, it's not just a, 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 a planetarium show where we're just like hoping about the, the future in the stars. It's like, no, build the machine. We're building one. Ours is better than yours. Yours sucks. Like that's, I like that. That to me sounds like business. That to me sounds like progress. Yeah. I, I'm done with that
1: you can go to blue origin.com now and see their website and see what they're working on. So, you know, they're, they're a little bit more open now than they were before. But as Justin points out, that's the thing that's exciting is the fact that who knows what Larry Page or, you know, Ellison or some of these other billionaires could be working on in secret. If Bezos was able to keep this a secret for so long. And part of what they're doing is developing advanced forms of propulsion and other exciting technologies. Now, who knows what else is out there? Did that, that you have somebody, we live in an amazing age, age when somebody can pour a couple hundred million dollars into a secret facility to develop space travel. That's uh, all I'm saying.
0: Now, that being said, do, I mean, uh, beyond Musk's uh, bluster, uh, what do we know about how far along Blue Origin is like is is, are they so secret that we still have no idea kind of where they are along things or is is Elon Musk just like, you know, hearing through the grapevine of the people that work on stuff like this, that they're just, you know, they're working on the wrong uh, solution to this problem.
1: Well, Blue Origins now they publicly talk about what they do and they have you can go look at their videos on their you know, like you can see from, you know, the last update was from October of 2012. But you can see test videos of their crew capsule. They're competing. They want to be part of the NASA crew capsule program. They're actively involved with NASA and trying to create technologies that NASA would use. So they've now become public, effectively, coming from when they first started. Like, if you look at their updates, the first one was back in 2007, which was a test of just a a single-stage thing. And now they're trying to build a multi-stage rocket. But... I mean, it's do you do you think it's possible? Thing. Do
2: uh, like, do you think it's possible? And and this is something that we don't talk about very often. But there's some game theory to any kind of project, especially when you have investors. And SpaceX is clearly playing to win. They are entering the space race because they want to go to Mars and and end up there. But someone like Jeff Bezos having this kind of thing, uh, it, it, weirdly enough, it seems like there might be a justifiable reason to play to, I don't want to say lose, but to play to be a player in the game. Like, uh, to to be that third place, like, well, I don't know, can we get, like, something into orbit from these guys or whatever? Like, uh, like uh, again, you know, I look at it and I'm thinking uh, SpaceX wants to be FedEx and revolutionize the way we deliver payloads into space. Maybe these guys are like, I don't know, Airborne Express or dhl where they could find
1: they could corner some sub market you know dhl it's all faster yeah. to more of the world or you know you can you can build fedex then jeff bezos can come along and build amazon a business that fedex and ups plus internet equals a radically new way to distribute products and say well you've got this you've got this platform and i can build an entirely new system on top of there and there's all sorts of games to be played there you know the the you know in the 80s you thought the big money was going to be in making personal computers but the real money was in making the software that sits on top of it yeah right so i think yeah i actually think that it's it's a a it's not necessarily a winner takes all i think that being in the game and having engineering talent and having those resources could be very very lucrative there's rockets are complicated systems And building, uh, getting us into space is one step. Building platforms up there, I'm in love with the idea of what happens when we start building our first private space stations. That's something Bigelow Aerospace working on. But then you get into the idea of if you can build a space station up there and rent out space to Intel, who wants to try to make new kinds of silicon wafers there, or other companies wanting to do experimental research, or even manufacturing, and what that becomes as far as a a very, very interesting form of industry. Well, I mean,
0: Which, it's, it's exciting no matter what. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, I'm I'm curious just to see kind of like, I just, I wish so much that we could just fast forward five years, you know, that we could just, we could just take a peek, you know, because we're, we're seeing so much progress that like it, this, a leap in five years now is so much different than it would be, in, in the past where it's like, okay, yeah, these technologies are five to ten years off, but they're like five to ten years off if everything goes right. Like now it's like mm-hmm. the technologies that are five years off. We know now and we've kind of seen sort of like, you know, work in test capacities. It, it just I don't know. I'm so yeah, like I, I'm like a kid I, on Christmas. I just I just want to I, see. I hear
1: you. But like we're maybe in like uh, eight days. We may be getting the SpaceX test of landing in the ocean they were supposed to have launched a few days ago, but there was a problem in the NASA radar facility or the the tracking radar. So, you yeah, know, dude. And, I, and I'm I, by the way,
2: for 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 those who are new listeners to the show, I mean, put this stuff in perspective. This system of of re- recovering all three stages of a rocket essentially puts a rocket into the same category as a seven thirty seven. Where uh, and as Andrew Main pointed out, it would lower the barrier of entry to space to where it would be cheaper to fly one of these rockets into space and deliver payload than it would be to fly, uh, uh, I can't remember if it was a 747 or whatever it was that you'd said, uh, around the world, like, like, which is, again, an unremarkable thing now. A, a, a jumbo jet flying around the world, very standard, very unimpressive. That is the level of, 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 uh, of, of pay structure that we're looking at to deliver into orbit, and that would be absolutely mega-huge. And that's and that's what yeah.
0: like I I I don't mean to say that I would like to skip forward forward five years because I don't want to see what happens in the intervening five years just because I think that the world we will see if we were to do it would be radically I hope I I I suspect in my my optimistic worldview that the world we would enter into when it comes to space flight would be radically different than the way that we think of it now, even in our dawning of a new age kind of thinking, uh, but also how we've thought about it for the last 30 years, you know, like it's just going to be a a totally different world.
1: Agreed. Yeah. It's exciting. So, we're going to see very soon within hopefully this year if, if they're, you know, the, the most expensive part of the rocket's the first stage because that's where you've got the, the most of your rocket engines. And SpaceX is going to try, I guess on the 14th, they're going to try to bring back the first stage down, have it slow itself down on reentry, do a propulsive reentry, and then land in the ocean near a barge and then see how much of it's recoverable. If that's successful, then they're going to try to do that and bring it back down onto a launch pad. If that works, then the, the second stage, which has one engine, they're going to try to bring one of those suckers down. And then the, the capsule, which is the, uh, the top of it, the, the Dragon, uh, we've actually brought those back down to Earth. And eventually, using parachutes, at some point, they want to try a propulsive landing of on one of those. Yeah, I'll tell you what, second.
2: man. Uh, if, uh, for, for SpaceX, when they do this trial— It'll be the the. It's going to be all about that video footage, man. Like you want to inspire Mm -hmm. generations. Show us that stage landing, Buck Rogers style. Give us a a buttery smooth landing on what looks like a solid surface, and then just you know, yeah, whatever. It hilariously slinks after or sinks afterward. Uh, But as long as we can see it with
1: our eyes, like this is it, man. Reusable Mm -hmm. parts that would be huge. And so, seeing the commitment that Bezos has in the book, they talk about how. Bezos was kind of maybe a little heavy set, a little more schlubby. And then all of a sudden, people noticed he got really, really fit. He trimmed his hair, looked a lot like Captain Picard. And a friend of his said, yeah, it's because he wants to go into space. No so kidding. So you've got what? one of the...
2: And that's something that uh, Richard Garriott came by the local magic club to talk about his experience uh, going up on a Soyuz rocket. And one of the things he says is that to get cleared, to go into space, you have to be, as he put it, medically perfect. And they found like a random tumor of something or other, like it was a benign thing on his liver. But now he very giddily lifts up his shirt and shows this like 18 inch scar or whatever from when they went in and removed the whatever in order to make him medically perfect. Yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the kind of thing that Jeff Bezos wanted to snap to and make happen.
1: Fun times, gentlemen. will mean, picks. Yeah, oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry,
0: I just yeah, it just it, it's it's such an awesome time that these are the people that are the captains of industry of our age. You know, the the, the people that the guy that wants to trim his hair like Jean Luc Picard and go to space and has the money to make it happen. You know, like the, 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 the engineer billionaire is, is an, amazing, an amazing creature, and I'm glad to have them.
2: It is, a, uh, it is maybe the most popular character class to play life as. If we could, yes. we would all play that role. <laughs> uh, Gentlemen, right, let's picks. do picks. Uh, yeah, can I can I just would, say two or three obvious ones to, just to get it out of the way? First of all, uh, I am currently reading your pick from last week, Andrew Maine. I'm almost done with Allegiance. I'm in the last couple hours. The uh, I, I I'll say it's not my it's not the best of all the Timothy's on uh, Star Wars books, but it's a good one and it's uh, exquisitely performed, exquisitely produced. Everything that we were lavishing praise on before, I stand behind. It was really good. Uh, Tonight, I will be doing appointment viewing with my kids to continue to watch Cosmos. Uh, I don't know how much we've talked about it on here, but by and large, I think last week's Cosmos was my favorite of the entire series so far in that they jumped straight in with an actual narrative where I learned something new. Uh, I had a new appreciation for uh, for Hallie and, uh, and, and the stories that, that he made possible. I thought all that was great. But of course, the big pick, the big story... It's got to be Game of Thrones, right? Somebody asked me recently what the greatest show on television right now is, plus or minus six months, and there was zero hesitation. Game of Thrones is the greatest show on television.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the pre I, I, Can we? I wanted to touch back. Because you put the comments up on the Weird Things feed here, I cannot help but see them. And we got one of those, I don't see what the big deal is about putting a rocket in low-Earth orbit. We've been doing this for 50 years.
2: Uh, that's fine. Look, whatever. Don't, 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 don't accept I, the troll bait. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I don't choose a troll at all. I think it's a sincere question. I want to, no, I had some attitude at all. I, I want to give you a sincere, I think it's a sincere question. The excitement about this is because it's like, look, you can look at air travel in the 1920s and say, okay, we've done this, you know, towards the end of the 1930s, we'd be able to get a plane to go around the world. The excitement happens when it becomes routine. We've been able to do it before when it's extremely expensive. And all we could imagine doing in space was things like maybe putting up big expensive space satellites when it came to air travel in the 20s or 30s. Yeah, some really rich guy gets to go around the world once. But when you lower that cost and you create an entire new industry of air travel, when you create an entirely new sectors of the economy, that's when it gets exciting. You could mail a letter around the world you know, a hundred years ago, when FedEx came along and I could deliver something somewhere overnight, everything increased. It was a big boom. And so it becomes, you have to think of matters of scale. It's not of it's not a Guinness book record, it's matters of scale and what happens at that point. Well, and, and I again,
0: mean, but for real, what's the deal with prefabricated A-frame houses? We've been building <laughs> castles for hundreds of years.
2: Well, well, and keep in mind also that uh, was Heinlein said that once you're out of Earth's gravity, you're halfway to anywhere, right? The mm-hmm. fact that we can now get halfway for, to anywhere for what the proposals say will be literal pennies on the dollar, like, like for less than a hundredth of what NASA was able to do it for, that's a pretty huge deal.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's it's like personal computing. We had computers in the 80s. You know what's the big deal? I don't you know, see what the big the...
2: deal is. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. I mean, this we've been doing this since the 40s,
0: people. Well, and, and I think the biggest thing is, yes, we've been putting things into low Earth or, or low Earth orbit orbit for a while. But now this brings us closer to we putting things in low Earth orbit. You know, like like people like us yeah. like. You know, businesses being built on it, not just governments, not just gigantic, massive billionaires.
1: Uh, We 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 are now closer. Right. You know, there there have been computers, as Brian pointed out, electronic ones since the 40s. The government owned them. Right. And look what happened when we moved computers outside of that domain into private enterprise. And we let a lot more people have access to this. It was a pretty good thing.
0: Right.
2: And, and and it's not for the known benefits at the time. It was the unknown emergent benefits that came out of it. It was, you know, the video game, the vi- the VR revolution, the, the Internet, you know, all of that stuff was built. Nobody expected any of that to go the way that it would. And, and but it did because it got cheap. And that's the tool that's about to be handed to
1: us. So that just to touch back on that. So. Game of Thrones you here you're, you're bullish on that a
2: little bit a <laughs> little bit bullish on the Game of the Thrones. no lie
1: yeah. it uh, is the greatest show
2: of all time I mean there's that going for it see i <laughs> don't even know i don't even uh, i don't even want to fight the fight on greatest show of all time. It is without a doubt the best show on television
1: right now yeah. I, I, and, and also that's totally free you're totally okay to have personal opinions <laughs> you know if I say my opinion is it is the greatest show of- of all time I am right sure my opinion is that well
2: in which case just know that I accept uh, the the truth of that statement in the subdomain
0: of currently running television as well well I mean I guess here's the thing I I feel like there are certain things in life for which I can I can break down as art and I can enter into discussions rational discussions about uh, in terms of their relative worth to other works of art which are inherently subjective But that I will remove myself from large proclamations or at least like, you know, couch with the idea that I find these subject matters to be intensely, personally interesting to me and have from a very young age. So it's like, yes. Do I love The Wire? I do love The Wire. Did I love The Sopranos? I love The Sopranos. Do I love Mad Men? I absolutely love Mad Men. None of those things had dragons or zombies (laughs) or magic or... Like uh, Castle Palace intrigue and the like epic rise and fall of uh, all of these elements. So it's like, yes, if I'm going to look and break down the idea that both Mad Men and Game of Thrones have a narrative thread where female characters have to succeed in worlds that are openly hostile to them. I will pick Game of Thrones because it has dragons and poison and green fire.
1: Yes. Justin. Do you have a pick anything at all you want to pick
0: uh so many things I was actually thinking that I'm like, man, I don't even think I have a pick, uh, but I have so so many uh number one, I started listening in the in the grand tradition of reading and listening to things that were mentioned previously on this show i've started i gave uh name of the wind a uh, another another shot I've gotten far past where I was before. I am very very much uh enjoying it, and uh i i I enjoy it beyond the fact that man it is. It is tell, don't show like even when they're showing, they're really telling it is. It is is the story, at least as far as I am right now. How how far
2: are you? I don't I don't don't think there's too much of a spoiler territory yet.
0: uh, I am. I mean, it is the king killer is giving his chronicles to the chronicler. Okay. well, yes. Uh, But but like how far in his tale has he gotten?
2: Because the bulk of the book is just the tale.
0: No, yes. No, that I guess that's all I'm saying is I very much enjoy it and I like it. But I I, it was we got to the point where like he began the story and I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what I guess that's what the point of the name of it is, is that he's literally just going to be telling his life story. And that's going to be where the narrative uh, comes in, which is fine. It's good. I I enjoy it and I like it and I've liked it so far. I very much enjoy it. I've started watching uh, the Next Generation Star Trek. Have you heard of this? The Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh,
2: I've heard heard of that. I've heard there's such a thing. Yeah. No, I heard there was a second generation after those movies that are out right now.
0: Yeah. So uh, uh, for FSL, the new season we're going to start working on uh, within the next couple weeks. uh, We uh, I've I've started rewatching it. Man, I really, I really like it. I'll tell you, everybody should really get into it. I don't know why people don't talk about this more. This next generation. (laughs) Uh, but really, uh, I I think my pick has to be Captain America Two. Captain America uh, Two: The Winter Soldier. Uh, I was so in love with it was so good. It uh, I will I will only spoil literally the first thing that you see in which a a uh, nameless person is running because apparently you can't do a movie set in Washington D.C. without having people jog around the monuments. I guess if you're like, listen, we're gonna pay. DC, uh, taxes to shoot inside the city. Uh, you, you better, you know, you better believe we're going to shoot the monument so everybody can see that we shot there, but everybody just jogs. I don't know what that is. Uh, but, uh, Captain America is also doing his jog. And as you might imagine, he is doing it far faster than the nameless person. And, uh, it, it is to comic effect. He keeps passing him on his left. And that is the allegory that I would like to submit to what Marvel is doing to literally everybody else making uh, movies with this kind of subject matter. Like it is so awesome. It is so good. It is so cohesive. This is a movie that has, it is way smarter than I think. And not to say that it is, it's not a a movie that is like a message movie. Although I think that there are things in there that uh, are, are meant to be thought about after you've left the theater. Uh, But it is, it is, Intelligent on a level that Nolan's Batman films were were intelligent in terms of studying, you know, what kind of world, need what kind of world needs to exist to bring about Batman? What kind of Bruce Wayne need, needs to exist to bring about Batman? And this is a fantastic movie in terms of exploring what kind of world is best affected by and affects Captain America. Uh, it's great. The action's fantastic. I loved every second of it. Right
1: on. My pick. I'm only gonna have one pick, and it's that pick. Oh. is Captain America. Uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. Absolutely, absolutely enjoyed it. And I'll talk to some of like what I like too. Is I appreciate it on a technical level. Was the effects have gotten to the point that only at one or two points did I think like I'm I I would see the artifact that I was watching something that was a special effect. Everything else looks seamless. The action sequences are great. The big, big, huge set pieces were amazing. You know, the helicarriers play a part in it, and they went back and they redid them with, like, something like four times the resolution they had before. That was amazing. I mean, I love it from a story point of view, but I'll just talk on the technical side. And and I'm going to say what – like, I – I'm hopeful about Superman versus Batman. I mean, I, I I love Zack Snyder. I like everybody involved in that. You know, our friend Larry Fong is a cinematographer on that. I'm excited about that. But there was a moment in Captain America where I, I again, and we've talked about Man of Steel before, and it's, it's a movie that I want to love as much as other people love. But what I loved about Captain America is you watch some of the fight sequences in this, and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to see that in a Superman movie because – they have them moving so fast and so super-powered and all that that I never feel it, the weight of anything. And that's what I dug about this, was like some of the action sequences I just thought were great. And Captain America's super strong, and there are points where he kicks people and they fly 30 feet or whatever. That's a little bit out there. But still, I go, man, this feels very grounded to me. And I very much enjoyed that, and it made me feel just a little bit sad. That like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see that in Superman movies. I didn't see it in the first one, and and that's going to be, you know... I, mean, I don't know what the answer is to that, but I was I was generally going, man, this is this is part of why maybe I don't enjoy it as much as other people do. But I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think they're like I could go into like points play, pacing things like that I think could have been better, but overall I thought it was just a delightful, great entry. And I'm so excited that the Marvel Universe that I I love the first Captain America. It's a World War II movie with a superhero. I enjoyed it. The second one, I loved it. Uh the second one I love because we go now, we get a political spy thriller. We had Thor: The Dark World, which was this fantasy esque story that Marvel can tell these different kinds of stories and not have all of them be the same sort of superhero overcoming this or overcoming that. So, do you think there's any chance that because I, you know, one of the things that DC
2: is already doing is you know the team up crossover type thing, which I guess you know Marvel already did with the Avengers. But do you think there's any chance that we'll see them, like, dip into Secret Wars territory, some kind of, like, this grand mashup of the entire universe, uh, big, bigger than
1: the Avengers, where it's like the X-Men you know, are there too? Well, I, I mean, they, they've got their roadmap going all out there, and, you know, they're going to be doing The Defenders as a Netflix series and introducing characters across more platforms. As that happens, it could be. I mean, we, we certainly could get to a point where they want once. They start introducing more and more characters and Captain America is great because spoiler alert, we get the Falcon and they expand the story a bit more and introduce, you know, the Winter Soldier and where that's going to go. You know, the problem, of course, you're going to have is, you know, there's certain properties in the Secret Wars which belong to other studios, which that's they're right. going to hold on to them forever.
0: Yeah. Now, I do think. That we are looking in the phase three no, like so we have phase two that will wrap up effectively with uh, the the Age of Ultron uh, Avengers movie. I, I think we are headed to a phase three big resolution of some approximation of the Civil War storyline. If just because they have they have a gigantic Captain America and a gigantic Tony Stark that they, they can, can find play a reason why opposites. they are leading sides yeah. against each other. So you know,
2: and, uh, the the Civil War story, I never read those, but as I heard about it, it was basically like the government needs the government needs to register superpowers or something, right? Is that what uh, it is?
0: Yeah, I mean, I only like, like it was it was like like only comics can do, and they wonder why people kind of fall out of of reading them. It was like, hey, look, here's a really compelling story that involves a bunch of people, and all you have to do is spend a thousand dollars to read all of it. Uh, so I, I found that hard to follow. But yeah, effectively, Norman Osborn is the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. or then Tony Stark eventually becomes the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Tony Stark is leading a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. run Avengers unit against Captain America, who is uh, a log who is, doesn't resist being registered and effectively kind of unionized by uh, under S.H.I.E.L.D.'s command. And so they, there is epic battles to be had.
2: And look, there's no way. I mean, the only way we lose is if the storytelling suddenly gets crappy and there's nothing about the the track record of Disney or Marvel in the last 10 years that makes me think that there's going to be a problem. Disney
0: or Marvel movies. Movies, yes, movies. correct, correct, correct. Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's a, the directors they chose for this, the Russo brothers was sort of, it was an interesting choice and I think it paid off really well. And that's the kind of the cool thing to see that where they're bringing in, you know, Kenneth Branagh who did, you know, did the first Thor, the guy who did Thor, the dark world was a guy from game of Thrones. And so I think they're making some really solid choices in that area. And it's, you know, Disney with Marvel and star Wars is in such a great position right now.
2: Can, can I, can I say real quick, like, uh, the one property from Marvel that i 'm absolutely shocked that they haven 't tackled yet, and i don 't know if they feel like it 's too difficult if it 's their Wonder Woman where they don 't know how to tell it in a in a compelling way, but i i, I don 't think they should have any trouble with this, especially since it 's a story that that i i can 't think of a parallel that 's already been told what, Why have we not seen any announcements about a Doctor Strange movie? The idea of a twenty okay. first century necromancer. Uh, oh shoot! I saw your number reaction.
0: one. Number one. That's my face trying to not tell you things. All right, fine, forget it. All number right. two. Um, there has been rumors that Johnny Depp wants to play Doctor Strange. That would be amazing. I could so uh, see that. So, yeah. I I think there's credible evidence to suggest that that is something that is on, on the radar for Marvel. It's a character that Marvel owns. It's obviously iconic. Um, you know, the, the question would be, you know, Johnny Depp has benefited greatly from being a part of Disney run tent poles, uh, as, as he will beat the, you know, every last shilling out of Jack Sparrow as, as Disney cheers on happily. Um, this could be something that, that works into the larger, the larger mythos of, uh, of, of, of Marvel. And, you know, if you look at, you know, th- there was rumors or not rumors, but reports this week that, you know, Kevin Feig of, of Marvel has at least in pencil uh, the, the roadmap of Marvel story arcs and movies out to like 2026. 20, and a lot of that is like, well, listen – if Guardians of the Galaxy hits Gigantic, here's when we do the 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 Star Lord standalone movie. And here's when we do the the Groot and Rocket Raccoon standalone movie.
1: Uh and if Yeah, I mean they're 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 actively searching for the Doctor Strange director right now. They they're supposed to have the script with it and all that. So they're in that those later stages of it. So um uh, and he he. You know, and I'll spoiler. There's a mention, just the mention of Doctor Strange and Captain America, just to say the name. You know, so it's not a spoiler, but I mean, they're 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 openly yes, he isn't going to be part of the universe. So I'm you'll get for it. it. What's that? Yeah, you'll get it. Could be cool. And I, I you know, the, I've said this before. The movie that really sold me on the idea that the Marvel universe could work was Thor, because it's like up. We had Iron Man, which kind of felt like still of this. You know, what if Elon Musk decided to build himself some high-tech super armor? And you're like, all right, I can see this. And then you're like, and then Thor, it's like, okay, all right, God, you know? And, and then he, it worked. That movie worked. And, you know, it's not maybe the most beloved of the Marvel movies. I certainly enjoyed it, and it did really well, box office-wise, enough to warrant a sequel that did even better, and, and he became an integral part of the Avengers. So, like, now Doctor Strange, sure, why not (laughs) sure yeah well i mean and uh, like
0: i think that's thor thor was definitely like all right you have iron man but it's like yeah robert downey jr plays iron man in a big summer like feel good joke a minute spectacular like all right fine it's robert Downey jr what can you do without the star power and very well as it seems you know they have done quite well when it's not a marquee a-list name even somebody that had kind of uh you know been you know you know, prior to uh, prior to Iron Man, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. was certainly somebody that was on the rebound, but not anything like he was back in his heyday. It's easy to kind of forget how much of a, of, a, of a pariah he was.
1: Uh, well, gentlemen, should we bring this to a close? Indeed, absolutely. All right. There's a thing I like to say at the end of every episode: mm-hmm. "Hail Hydra." No, <laughs>
0: not hail Hydra. Although, hey, real oh, quick, before, before we get into it, there was a tweet from Patton Oswalt who said, you will never guess who says Hail Hydra in this movie. And I watched the movie and it was, I could only, it, like it is Patton Oswalt on why Patton Oswalt would find it amazing. And why I also found it amazing. But the person who says Hail Hydra is like, it just made me so happy. It made me so happy that this person is saying that thing it was
1: so delightful
2: I'm gonna have to go see that movie now
1: yes (laughs) yeah I was that was like and it all made sense to me
0: of course so Andrew end the show
1: he just did he did he did it it has been weird it was
2: weird
0: forever weird it shall be